show is brought to you by MillenniLink, where talent and digital transformations intersect. Hey, Britt. Jess, how are you? Uh, I was having a little moody Jess moment earlier, as Same. you got to experience. Oh, you were having a moody moment, too. I was like, we were both a little like, we had that kind of growl at each other. But that's what happens when you work t- so closely together, right? <laughs> <laughs> are you having a bad day? Or what's going on? No, I think I just have a lot going on. So I leave Friday for the wedding. So just yeah. a lot of stuff that I'm trying to cram in for work. And then I had to get, I didn't realize I had to get a COVID test today. So I was like scrambling to fit that in. Um, but thankfully I'm negative. Uh, d- did you know City MD, which normally has just the regular I saw that COVID test? Instagram. Yeah. They're now offering rapid tests for free. Yeah, so you got to tap into that. Yeah, so. they look like pregnancy How- tests, actually. It's like one line <laughs> are negative, two lines are positive, just like a pregnancy test. <laughs> I was like freaking out. I was like, can I just wait here for my results? And they're like, you can go. Like, I just want to wait. That looks way too much like a pregnancy test. <laughs> you should like bring it on your trip with uh, Trader Joe and like have it like casually in your suitcase and be like, oh, whoops. <laughs> You're like, um, you can take the next flight back. <laughs> are you nervous? Are you, you, I mean, you guys have done the trips together, so you're pretty solid But this now. is my first time flying since the pandemic so I am a little I don't know I feel like I'm just on edge a little bit can we talk though about how you were telling me how he doesn't want to commit till three months right no I was like all right well like you can take some time and if we're at three months and there's still no movement I'm out I mean as your friend I just think you're a great catch so I'm kind of like Trader Joe let's go you know but at the same time his parents had a messy divorce and he always like he's trying to not mess this up I, he has stuff that he has to work out and that's that's fine with me like we're having the best time he's bringing me to a wedding um so I'm, right now I'm in my chill mode so I'm like it's all good <laughs> if you ask me in a few hours I might be like what the fuck but right now I'm good and I'm just going with it <laughs> you really like him though I do I really like him but isn't it crazy like we we're friends and I never paid any attention to him and isn't now like I'm like happens, give me more attention like tell me I'm pretty like <laughs> what do you think about eggs and I'm, he's like you've literally I've known you for six years and not once did you even like say hi and I was like oh shit true <laughs> were you too cool were you too cool for him honestly what it was was when I first met him he had a girlfriend who was like very plain Jane like so not my vibe and Mm -hmm. so I thought he was nice I thought she was sweet and I just like moved on like I didn't I just assumed he was very vanilla himself and you guys had did it do you hook up at all during your friendship no I went on a date with his twin brother remember oh my god (laughs) so then after that I was like okay boring cool no way um I'm good and so I just feel like I just never spent time because I just never saw myself with him and my friends would always say like get like spend like 10 minutes getting to know him and I think you're gonna think differently and I just just no like all his other friends are a lot more um like they'll come up to you and like compliment you and I feel like they're a little bit more um proactive with getting girls they're flirting reserve so like naturally I would just come to whoever came, I would naturally just flirt with whoever came first you know okay how excited are you for the segment like those questions rolling in I was dying I actually wrote the person back and we're not saying names we're not saying gender nothing at all (laughs) because we want people to write in but the question about sleeping with the business partner I was like okay whoa (laughs) like so juicy so we were we're starting this segment 
called The Cake, where we want your stories and the cake in your stories, what's going on, and we're going to talk about them here on Cake for Breakfast. We want to analyze the cake in your stories. And we're going to give you feedback, and we thought, like, oh, like, I'm thinking about switching careers, what do you think? Or, like, just, like, lighthearted questions were Mm -hmm. what we were thinking we were going to work with, but we got people talking about freezing their eggs and how... A girl's eye banker and her boyfriend she makes more money than her boyfriend, her boyfriend. i love that we're definitely picking that question. oh yeah and then we had one where yeah. her her ex is sleeping with her business partner so yeah. many thoughts on that so yeah i so love these stories I wish- i'm getting more juice on that story by the way because i want to like really dig into it okay. but i'm also respecting the privacy of the person yes no names so if you have any juicy questions or stories to share we love gossip and we'd love to hear Off the top of your head, though, making more money than your boyfriend. Awkward, right? No. (laughs) Okay, we'll save it for Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys heard how Black Friday is changing this year? If you're a brick-and-mortar company that depends on an end-of-year boost from Black Friday in holiday season sales, forecasts for 2020 are bleak. With COVID regulations expected to remain in place well into 2021, companies that depend on foot traffic are scrambling for e-commerce and mobile commerce solutions, as well as payment solutions that are consumer-friendly. Creating, implementing, and maintaining a digital commerce solution for your business can be expensive and challenging, especially when you're trying to hire the right people for the job. But don't worry, Cake for Breakfast has got you covered. Our sponsor, Millennialink, is an all-star recruiter out of Canada. As American-based companies in the work-from-home era, we can use the service to hire tech and IT professionals while paying 69 cents on the dollar for top talent. Canada is a global leader in attracting tech and IT talent, with Toronto especially ranking up there with quality standards consistent with Seattle and New York. Good tech talent can be hard to find. So why not tap into some new pools of talent, especially if you have noticed a shortage in your market due to high-skilled immigrant H-1B visas being restricted. Hiring from Canada offers you a large pool of experienced professionals who have been educated, trained, and are accustomed to regularly working in the U.S. Now, here is the deal. Now through Christmas, Millennialink is offering 25% off all their tech and IT hiring fees. If you're listening to our podcast and you know you want a free tech assessment for your business to make sure your business is able to operate in the digital economy, then just give these guys a shout. They can be reached at 1-647-643-6100 or contact them at www.millennialink.com. Millennialink, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-L-I-N-K dot com slash contact dash us. You will find all this information in our show's bio. Today on the show, we're talking new revelation in Kim Kardashian's Paris robbery. Someone is about to pay big for it. Major news at Quibi and the founder of Uber is innovating the restaurant business. All right, before I start this next story, I know I lose a lot of our male listeners on my Kardashian stories, but guys, come on, just bear with us. This is a great story, and I've got lots of good content in here that I was scouring the internet for today. Just And she just turned 40. And she just turned 40, which is not a selling point to men, but, <laughs> but guys, stick with us. So since yesterday was Kim Kardashian's 40th birthday, I want to give her the floor for a minute. Kim has been getting lots of love during this time leading up to her birthday, including my next guest interview dropped with David Letterman, 
E did a special birthday episode for the network's star vehicle. And lastly, Kim settled with her lawsuit with the security company that did not protect her during the Paris robbery for $6.1 million. Okay, so first I want to give a little background on Kim. We obviously know that she's an incredibly polarizing figure in society today. And the Kardashians really first came on the scene when her father, Robert Kardashian, was the lawyer for the O.J. Simpson trial. But some tidbits that I learned about her recently is like how involved Kim and the kids were in the trial. Like, you know, we saw on the O.J. Simpson documentary... So a story she recently told was that her dad was like obviously the front lines of this mega case going on around the world and he really couldn't trust a lot of people. So when Kim was 14 is when the trial was going on and her dad like needed files one night or something and he said, here, Kim, take the keys to my car, go pick this up at the house and bring it back to me. And Kim's like 14 driving around, like just so crazy. And apparently all these paparazzis were taking pictures of uh, this car with this young woman showing up to his house late at night. And then all the the paparazzi or the magazines the next day was like, Robert Kardashian's having an affair with like young woman. It was Ew, his daughter, 14 year old daughter. <laughs> crazy, right? Uh, another story she told was that Kim actually discovered Bruce dressing as a woman before anyone. She she was 26 years old and I thought this was interesting so she moved back home at 26 to live with her parents because she couldn't pay her rent wow that's so relatable right and you think of like 26 is like not 22 like that's like a real age when most people are pretty you know not moving back at home like that's something I just never would have suspected that for Kim like I for, from what I know of Kim I just think her life is constantly like big mansions and Bentley she was right? hustling and putting in the work in her 20s so she live like a queen in her 30s and now 40s Right, right. So she so she walked through the garage, she said, and Bruce was done up or Caitlyn Jenner now was done up head to toe as a woman with like a wig <gasps> and heels. And and then she just walked right to her room, packed a bag and left and went to move in with um, Courtney. And I guess Bruce called Courtney's house and said, this has to stay between us. You need to protect me. You need to protect the family. Your mother can't know about this. Even during their marriage, there was rumors or some articles that said that Chris ran into Bruce also cross-dressing during their yeah. marriage as well but probably much later on but it's funny that he's telling her like you cannot maybe he was saying you can't tell your mom because maybe the mom would just freak out and be like I told you to do your crazy shit in private right like why is my <laughs> daughter seeing this I don't know um but she has a ton of respect for for Caitlyn Jenner she also said that he was like the greatest stepdad super Aww. involved like just a great person to have around the house so or, do they still really have nice. a relationship though they do. Chloe doesn't because I think Chloe is like, look, everyone just expects like, oh, boom, like your stepdad's a woman. Like you should love him. And Chloe's kind of like, I need a minute. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff with uh, Caitlyn's book that came out. He said a lot of revealed a lot of secrets. And as much as the Kardashians claim to be like out in the public, they're pretty private. All right, so let's fast forward a decade. Kim gets robbed at gunpoint in Paris. Kim at this point is married to Kanye. They have two young children. They have North. They have Saint. I think he was like maybe one years old. Wow. North might have been three or four. So what exactly went down that night? Kim flew out to Fashion Week um, in Paris to work. You know, everyone who says Kim doesn't work. This is a woman with two young kids and a husband on tour. And she's like flying to Paris for two days. That sounds like a lot of work to me as glamorous as it might be. <laughs> So the night she was robbed, she chose not to go out. Her sister Courtney was there. Her friend Stephanie, who we know is uh, was assistant. Kim's former assistant. Yeah, 
Simone, I think, was a childhood friend. And they all left to go out to a party at a club, like an after, you know, Kendall was walking in the show. They all wanted to go to the after party. Kim's bodyguard at the time, Pascal, went with the girls to the club. He wanted to take them there. And this is always added to the speculation that he was in on the robbery because... Wait, why Kim, though? Because was did they all have their own bodyguards or was that one guy trying to... This guy was Kim's bodyguard. I don't... Maybe Courtney didn't have her own personal and she was traveling with Kim. I, I know Courtney, that was right around the time of the split with Scott. So she was sort of like doing everything with Kim. Kim was probably like, come to Paris, you know. Courtney, you're not that fam- as famous as me. Like you can, you know, stay with me or whatever. Now Kim, just to paint a picture for everybody, she is sitting at home with over $10 million in jewelry. Damn. And it's her by her. And it's Kim Kardashian who's worth like, you know, quadruple that. Does that and include sitting- her wedding ring though? Well, I don't know what this ring. So Kanye bought a week earlier, Kanye bought her this five million dollar ring. Kim plastered pictures of herself in it. All, and she admits to this. Like I, I bragged so much about it. I was so proud of it. I put pictures all over my Instagram. Anybody would know that I was traveling with that ring. And it's just she's like, I look back at how dumb that was. And how I, sh- you know, should have been more careful. But she just wasn't wasn't super aware at that time. Um, so Kim said she's about to go to sleep. I think she just Skyped Kanye. He was about to go on stage in New York where he was performing, as people who lived here can remember. And right as she's about to fall asleep, she hears these loud thumps walking up the stairs. She's like, Courtney, Courtney. Like, you know, that terrifying feeling when you're home alone, right? No answer. And she's like, right then and there, I knew it wasn't them. She goes to grab her phone to call 911. She's like, I'm in France. Like, what is 911 in France? I don't know. So she texts or somehow sends some message to Pascal, which sends him running home. But these guys grab her phone, throw it at the wall. So these men uh, burst into her room. They're dressed as cops with masks on. And one of them has a gun pointed to the head of the guy who sits at the front desk of Kim and Kanye's uh, apartment building. Just like that alone, like seeing two cops in masks, like that's just out of a horror movie, right? Um, so they come up, they grab Kim, they pull him, they pull Kim towards them. She says, right then and there, I thought, I'm getting raped. And she's yes. like, starts bawling, like I have to mentally prepare myself for this. On a side note, she was saying like, I've watched every episode of CSI and I was yes. trying to take note on their eyes their hair color and she's like all that goes out of the window when it actually happens i'll have to tell my sister who is like so addicted to csi <laughs> i watch <laughs> every single episode of law and order svu knowing that if i'm in those situations what would i do based on that show so it was a little disappointing when she said it wasn't helpful yeah it wasn't helpful at all she said <laughs> so they duct tape her mouth they taped her eyes they 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 put those um snaps on her hands those things that hold your hands they pick her up and they say ring 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 and she points she's like I have this five million dollars sitting in my bed table like here you go and Kim does mention how she travel used to travel so irresponsibly she's like I was going to Paris so I grabbed like you know Paris is like the biggest look you can put together so I had like every best piece of jewelry every best diamond with me and they grabbed it they take off they're gone and Kim has just left there reeling. Um, the Pascal and Courtney and them get word at the club. I think they come within something like within 10, 20 minutes. So it's not a lot of time gone by. And Kim and the front desk security guy are found in the tub, handcuffed, and or not handcuffed, uh, blindfolded, mouse taped, all that. So what's the aftermath in all this? The men made off with millions in jewelry, including that $5 million ring. In the year following, 17 people that were involved in this heist were taken down in a sting operation. So 17 people, and Kim mentions like, I saw two people there, but when they figured out sort of like the whole 
um, the whole robbery, there was like a guy that moved the cameras, two guys in getaway cars, two guys standing at the front so no one walked in the building. Like she's like, there were 17 people involved and I was like in my bed alone. Just like how terrifying that is alone, right? So the majority of the people were in their 50s with one man being in his 70s. Um, Everyone's in jail. Everyone's awaiting trial. And Kim says the scariest thing she discovered upon reading all their statements was that they, these, this group had been following her for two years. <gasps> these guys were following her two years what, on social media or like in person. Like were they tracing her whenever she traveled to France or like did they? Kanye owns that big apartment in Paris, right, that we see on the show. So and Kanye was super involved in the fashion world, more, more so I'd say five, ten years ago than he is today. Although, you know, Yeezy's a great line that's doing well. But I think he was very involved in like going to Paris, sitting through fashion shows, getting creative juice. Like he was more, spent more time there than he probably does now. And she she talked about how in after they got arrested, she was able to read all their statements. And they had actually had one failed attempt at robbing her before in <gasps> Paris, but Kanye was with her. So they sort of freaked out and they were like, no, not this time. But Kim and Kanye spent a lot of time there. Wow. And you know, for us, we always see her on Instagram and she's like, so beautiful and always like flaunting all the diamonds and all how much money she has but if you remember when this all happened she went dark like you didn't see her in public you didn't see her posting for months and months and months and you can only imagine even listening to her interviews now like this has scarred her even today she now sleeps she will not go to bed without five security guards present Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, she can't fall asleep without that. Present day, Kim sued the company Pascal worked for um, for failing to protect her because he left and went to escort her sister and her friends to the club. So she was robbed $10 million in jewelry and she settled with the company and got $6.1 million from them. And that came back yesterday. And honestly, I'm really happy for her. She deserves every penny of that. Honestly, I, I, I do agree. At the same time, Pascal, Pascali, um, I wonder how we pronounce his name. Um, I think her, it's Pascal. Are you sure? Okay, so Pascal. Yeah. I just wonder if it was a huge human error where maybe not all of them had their own private bodyguards and he thought that was best for them, for the livelihood of all of them and wasn't really thinking about just Kim. But talk about making a huge mistake. I mean, he's a professional. The Kardashians pay millions. I know, but everyone makes mistakes, you know, like that was. I mean, she was almost killed. Like if I was Kanye, I'd be like, put him in prison, too. That was that he was paid to protect my wife. Like I'd be pissed. No, I think that was a horrible, horrible error. I wouldn't put him into jail. But I do think it was right that she did get six point one million. And I wish she got all ten. But at least that's something. Yeah, and then actually that was like a weird trip too because he was in a lot of the pictures. They, there was some like article that came out about him. I don't know. I don't, something about this guy I don't trust. But the uh, that was the, remember when that uh, photo bomber was coming up and like throwing flower and like hugging celebrities and that person like came at her the day before in such a big way. It was kind of crazy. Interesting. Well, it's crazy. One of my friends has been the bodyguards for the Kardashians recently because I think oh, Kris stop. Jenner had some drama with one of her bodyguards. Um, like, Wait, she just got sued for sexual harassment. So some guy yeah, sued some her guy. and Courtney for sexual harassment. Is that your friend? That's crazy. No, that's not. No, he only. Um, oh. It was Jennifer Lawrence's wedding in Rhode Island that he was the bodyguard for Chris Jenner. But then Kim had her own bodyguard, but she, he got to meet both of them and said that they were actually very nice, very quiet, didn't say too much. But it was really Corey, oh, cool. the Chris Jenner's boyfriend, that's in charge of choosing who they surround themselves in terms of security. Well, Corey used to be Justin Bieber's whole security team. He, his business used to run Bieber's, Bieber's security. Oh, so he... And oh. side... 
yeah was, so he is like very he's a deeply rooted security expert and professional that was his background was Corey dating chris when this happened to kim Corey met Chris because they went to, um, not Jonathan, who's the uh, the big, R- Ricardo Tishi, what's his name, the big fashion designer that they always post about. It was his birthday party in Ibiza, and, sorry, Ibiza, and Chris went with Kim and Kanye, and then she met uh, Corey there, who was taking care of Bieber's security. Interesting. Well, too bad yeah. he wasn't in Paris during that time. Seriously, side note on Jennifer Lawrence before before we move on to the next story. You know how we reported on her selling that like $11 million condo and everyone was like in New York and everyone was like, oh, everyone's leaving New York. Like get scared. She actually today just purchased a $22 million uh, townhouse on what? James Street. Oh, I know. So, she so like just when, she was just moving. She wasn't leaving. She's just upgrading in a big way. See, you and thought she, she a, no, you even, I remember you saying that like, oh, she has a downgrade. Like people aren't doing well. And this just yeah. shows she's actually crushing life. She took a three million dollar. Yeah, she took a three million dollar haircut on (laughs) during the middle of a pandemic and just like upgraded to like the. It says Jane Street apartment that didn't even hit the market. They just sold private units to like rich people who want to live next to each other. So I think we should start hanging out around Jane Street then. Yeah, her husband is one lucky guy. They have like a whole foyer. Like I don't know, J Law works hard, but she deserves it. Damn, (laughs) damn, 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 damn. That's crazy. Now, for a quick interruption, I just want to ask something out of you guys. If you were listening to the show today and have not subscribed, would you mind just taking a couple seconds to do so? It's super simple. I'm going to walk you through it really quick. All you have to do is pick up your phone that you're listening to the show on, go to the main screen. You should see a purple icon. It almost looks like a satellite dish, and it says podcast below it. Once you open that up, in the search icon, type in cake for breakfast. The show will come up and just hit the subscribe button. It's free for you and very meaningful for me. It supports my business. And honestly, Oprah asks her listeners to do the same thing, so I don't feel weird about it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and thank you even more for supporting the show today. So as we know, many streaming services are crushing it during this time because people have a lot more time to sit in front of the TV. But it is pretty sad because there's one that's not making the cut and it's quitting. I'm so sad about this one. Oh, I know. And this is really sad because Jess's boyfriend actually had a show on Quibi. Had the lead show on Quibi. The The lead lead show was nominated for an Emmy. Like we were so excited about this new platform. We actually even pitched to them or we're considering pitching to them for a show last year. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, Quibley Holdings LLC is shutting down after six months and after raising almost two billion dollars. And the reason why this was so exciting, this launch, and I really hate everyone who's like giving it a hard time right now is because. A two two billion dollars in capital going out to Hollywood like that is that creates so many opportunities for creators to come and get their content made, and I just think it's so sad for people trying to get their project going. Sadly, it means that there will be another two hundred people in the entertainment industry that will be out of work mm. as this closes down in the next few months. 
The challenge with Quibi was they are building this platform where it was digestible content. It was shorter increments of content that you could view right on your phone. But they launched in April during a time where people were sitting at home and they had a lot more time to be using their TV. And let alone this was a paid subscription, whereas now you can get access to many free apps directly on your TV, making it very hard to get their customer base that they need. Well, and Brent, I know the, you're not going to agree with yeah. this, too. I was yeah. going to say the idea with this this platform which was genius is it was movie like I watch so much content on my phone when I run every day I put a movie on a show on whatever it is and the um technology was incredible on the Quibi platform because you could never if you've ever seen before you can't like move your phone from left to right and the screen switches that was sort of like the big selling point and it was like pretty cool but again the issue I believe they had is not being able to transfer their content to tv and theaters and you should just have that optionality available to you yeah, my little brother, my little sister, they only watch TV on their phones. But, you know, we're not going to agree with this, but I never watched a single show on Quibi. And one of the, Ed Kaczynski, CEO of Zype, he was saying that there wasn't enough anchor shows to generate a real that's audience. So, there weren't enough so people who found a show that fell in love with. Like, I don't have a single friend who watched a show on Quibi. I know you're in entertainment and that was completely different. I never watched it. I don't know. First of all, did. Survive is one of the best movies of the year. Like, it was so well done. It was beautifully shot. Sophie Turner was the star. It was an incredible script. The movie was brilliant. They had another Liam Hemsworth movie on there. Nicole Richie had the funniest show. It was something rapper G. It was so funny. Chrissy Teigen had that Law and Order show where her and her mom were sort of the judges in small claims court. The content was amazing. They had every leading star. They had everything they needed. I just think the pandemic hit at the wrong time. I think this needed to be transferable to uh, TV and theaters. And I think that's where they fell short. And that's a really good point. And for me, like, I, of course, wanted to watch Survive. Your boyfriend was involved. You were involved. Like, I wanted to watch it. But I felt like whenever I wanted to, like, sit down and watch it, there was such a process to sign up for Quibi. And, like, our attention spans are, like, Like, all the apps are. I mean, it's, like... I know. But for whatever reason, I was, like, okay. Signing into Hulu is, like, giving away a blood sample. Like, it's painful. I don't know. For me, like, I just felt like it wasn't worth... Like, it wasn't to sign up for Quibi and go through the process when I didn't even really know what it yeah. was. I just never did. And I think that's what happened to many people who maybe heard about it, but there was not enough incentive to actually get on. And it just shows that like this was a business, like even Facebook, right? They, it's all about timing. Facebook, if it was launched 10 years earlier, it probably would have never become the Facebook that we know it. And I think Quibi had all the opportunity to grow. Streaming is up the wazoo. We all want contact. It's not the lack of need for new content, but I I just feel like the timing of the pandemic and it being in on your phone when it should be on TV, we were just not there yet. Well, I can give you guys some inside scoop because I was really involved. I got to see all this sort of stuff play out firsthand. There was supposed to be this enormous party with the glitzy Hollywood party. I was so excited to go to. I had a dress for and everything. Um, that oh, got canceled, but I did God. get to go to their soft launch where I had the opportunity of meeting Jeff Katzenberg and uh, Jim Tooth, who's Reese Witherspoon's husband, who was the former, I think, president of CAA who left that to run Quibi like I met Jeff Katzenberg and he is a man where I was like I touched his hand and I felt like electricity go through my body like he's genius he's just like you you look at him and you realize why he's a billionaire why he's just like crushed it at life he's just a very very brilliant person and I believed in him there was so much excitement so much energy in that room so many creators who were just like wow I got my tv show made I got my movie made and Jeff Katzenberg made all those dreams come true so god bless you Jeff for everything you 
did for everybody. I'm so sorry to see this. And I just really hope that you guys can sell to someone great like Amazon or Netflix. And then suddenly your um, product will be attached to theirs. All right, I love this next story. Um, it's about the Uber founder, Travis Kalanick. I bought Uber stock on the IPO. I believe in this company. I believe in him. He's sexy. He's he's very cool. controversial too. He's controversial. All these all these visionaries and founders are. But he, here is what a visionary is, people. Okay, like he created Uber, right? No one had thought of Uber. Suddenly, it's like, oh, I have a car and I don't have anything to do on a Friday night. Why don't I go make four hundred dollars? Like he just created so much opportunity in the world for people that wasn't there before. So now he's moving into this new idea of ghost kitchens. So Travis has just spent a hundred and thirty million dollars on real estate casual. to basically do these like casual. Right. <laughs> Here's the thing I loved. This article is like new startup. Brett, what startup have you ever heard of that has like 130 mil out the gate? Like, yeah, boom. what? And like, just to spend on real estate, that's not anything else. <laughs> that's nothing else. Like, literally, literally, what does that make you and I? Like, <laughs> we, I don't have 130 million out the gate. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, Travis is super hot. And he's building this food delivery startup and he's using this real estate for the ghost kitchen. So can we just like break this down? Because it took me a while to totally capture this visionary's new vision. So because this business is pretty genius, to be honest. So Travis is buying up spaces to put in like industrial kitchens. I assume he will then lease the spaces to like restaurants. Yeah, it kind of it's pretty interesting because when you think about restaurants, sorry to cut you off, Jess, but it, I think this is genius because first off, when you think about a cook, right, they're not making a ton of money until they become front of house or if they become so brilliant that they can now open a restaurant. But when they can open a restaurant, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like think about Millions. rent in New York City. Just rent alone yeah. could be hundred grand and you and just so people can taste your food now this opportunity that Travis is hopefully going to be creating from my understanding is here he's going to have these old restaurants or these old like car dealerships or warehouses that he's now going to create into these almost like commercial kitchens and so that means maybe now a mom who might have a really amazing cookie recipe can rent out a space within this warehouse it's a commercial kitchen abides by all the certifications and instead of needing this bakery and spending all this money on just a storefront they can still create their cookies or create their food and deliver it directly to consumers the one issue i do see this is so right i never even thought of it that way that's so right and what's interesting and what i love is that you know like there's such a high barrier entry for a chef so no matter how talented you are if you can't find all that money to create a restaurant that means that you can't get your food out there but because of this model it's almost as if it seems like you know how we're seeing all these fitness instructors having to create a brand for themselves yes the one issue you see is even in skincare right like if someone's like here's a skincare like shit's in it buy it for me if you don't know who the who's making it you don't know the brand you're gonna be a little skeptical so the one ha- obstacle i think is that now all these chefs who are going to be creating this food for delivery they're going to have to create their online presence as if it is their storefront so that how are they going to show okay, the brand i have questions this, right you're my co-star the visionary i love it but i have questions because <laughs> it's true i never actually thought of it that way it's like the uber was like i said you have a car okay great all you need is a car but you also need a driver's license your barrier your barrier of entry is just having that asset that you can use as a business tool. And then Travis created this infrastructure where you can go make tons of money off just owning a car. And you right, you didn't need to own a taxi. You didn't have to yeah. buy an Italian. You, you didn't your need to have a car service company. Literally, all you needed was your car and your driver's license. Right. Two things that you probably already have. And then so, you could start making money. So it's yeah, the same so concept this, though, with this. 
But for this, okay, so there's a kitchen and say like a mom, like you said, all these, all our moms have great recipes. So a mom or a grandma's like, I've got my famous chocolate cake. Like, how can I like monetize this thing that I've been making for my family for years? So now there's an opportunity for that grandma to go to one of these industrial kitchens and start selling her product. And I agree, like having the marketing or you're going to, they, I mean, it's probably like they're going to have some sort of app or something to help you build your online presence. But here's my question. What's going to be the bear? What what do they have to, what's going to be the standard? Like you can't just have people going in and cooking and buying food. There's got to be some sort of food quality control. No, definitely. And my aunt, she started a wedding cake business. And so you have to have a lot of certification in your kitchen at home. Or I think she actually had to rent a commercial kitchen because there's a ton of regulations because you are working with food. So you can, you, we have to assume that they're going to find ways to make sure everyone's certified. But that's a lot lower of a cost. And it's very manageable for people to get it versus like building your own kitchen and having tables to then like oh, present the food to. this is such a cool idea. So I love out. it. And even it's funny, yeah. my dad has his famous ribs. So whenever someone com- comes over, oh like, my God, my dad us, too. Wait, really? And so yeah. his dream, like when he retires, his dream is to have like a rib truck. And I'm like, where are you going to park this rib truck? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, we can like drive around, maybe at a fair. I'm like, oh gosh, dad, like who's going to work that with you? Um, but this is like, it's someone like him maybe who, is a talented chef. He's never had a proper cooking degree before, but he has a really great recipe. He has some really great dishes and considering and hoping that, you know, assuming he gets all the proper certification, he could then open up this di- the shop within these private warehouses where no one, mm-hmm. no cu- customers go in. It's all deliveries, but then he can use an Instagram or a website to create this digital version of what his restaurant could be. And you then just get his food and you can pretend you are getting it from a restaurant restaurant or you Brit, Travis has got all the infrastructure already he's gonna have like oh this is the ribs that have five star reviews like and this is the there's probably gonna be like the three levels like, yeah, like a, a professional chef a professional chef a restaurant owner or like just like a like a grandma that wants to cook you know her famous lasagna I don't know I just think I just love visionaries this story gets me so excited me and too. it's gonna create a lot of opportunity for people to continue sort of like the entrepreneurial hustle they're in a little bit sketched out because like he the big places he's buying these kitchens are Queens, Miami and Miami. But he's buying like closed auto body shops, mm-hmm. closed restaurants, closed warehouses feels a little like, ooh. but I mean, it's Uber. They're going to make that place. It'll like, be fine. Five star. Think about retailers before we always thought we had to go into a mall or into a store to shop. Now we're yeah. completely fine with just ordering online. And I think now we're going to probably see mm-hmm. a lot less restaurants open. And a lot of the talented smaller um, restaurants are just going to be digital and rely on platforms like this. Moving into the fashion world, G3 Apparel Group, which designs and produces brands, including Calvin Klein, Guess, is enforcing its corporate workers to return to their New York office at full capacity. What do you mean enforcing? Like they they have to come back or they get fired or Exactly. They to- no, they have oh, to. Wow. So this started I think in September and they've already had at least 5 cases of people being infected with COVID, but they Oof. have enforced their whole company to be there for at least 3 days a week and they're strongly encouraging 5 days a week. And granted, they are giving some incentives, like $100 per week for commuting costs, which they never did before COVID for all these workers. But this is like operations. This is the corporate headquarters. So you have operations, marketing, everyone in this company. It's not the factory workers. It's literally like the corporate positions all have to go back. And this is crazy because we don't even have a vaccine. And we are seeing companies return at a 25% 
occupancy or you know some percentage that makes sense they are asking everyone to go back sorry don't side note don't get jealous but mantas just added me back on instagram no way mantis <laughs> so mantis is my favorite soul cycle instructor as you know i'm trying to get him on our show this guy so- is the follow you all need right now m-a-n-t-a-s-z-v-i-n-a-s okay now i'm now i'm ready to go off on this story for, but yes mantis thank you for the follow back because you were so sexy um okay first off I do agree with people being forced to go back into work. It is getting you silly do? watching these college-age kids sitting at home on their couch, working from home. If you're strong, if you're healthy, you go back to work. If you're sick, if you have a, if you're medically compromised, or if you have, if you're a woman that has kids at home and New York schools are still shut down, New Jersey schools are sh- still shut down, then yes, then you get a pass. But as for these youngsters, get back into work, follow the rules. Here's okay, my that's, second thought. But that's the difference: is that like that would be great if it was optional and they only needed a certain amount of people to go in. They're saying everyone so that includes anyone I'm sure if you're immunocompromised maybe you'll get exceptions I don't know if you're a mom with four kids at home you're not getting a free pass you're not okay that's bs here's my second thought on this Brit if these kids are like oh like these people that are being forced to come back into work they're like okay you're within a bubble and then I heard some some youngsters complaining they're like you don't pay me like enough like I'm gonna go out and party on the weekends great you know what you guys you go out and party sounds good we will find the 500,000 New York New Yorkers that are unemployed right now to come fill those positions it is time to suck it up if you want a job there's new there's new guidelines around that I just like don't agree with this I think people need to get back to work and I think people People need to behave and and be accountable and be respectful to the bubble they're working in. I totally get that. And that's like, I think in an ideal world, everyone would be mindful of how they're spending their personal lives. But imagine a company that is enforcing everyone to go back. Like they're going to lose so much of their female workforce because of this. Can you imagine having kids at home and you have to homeschool them in addition to going into the office? Like it's just not possible. You're you're better off quitting your job than trying to make hiring someone full time to teach them and babysit them as you try to go in. So I just feel like, you know, retail has always been a, I would say fashion has always been a pretty archaic industry as it is. If this company can't figure out how to adapt to new times where people do need, they have more needs right now and they can't necessarily go back. Maybe people are having health issues or maybe they do have a family to also think well, about. Well, look, Brett, here's the thing, though. Like, this company might just, like, as it is, be going... It might be underwater. So it's kind of like if you're underwater and there's no... There's almost, like, no way back you're like okay everybody comes in everyone hands on deck or we're done like it sounds like that's sort of what's happening here no i i get that but like that should be the executives right it doesn't mean every single person i'm sure there are some people in some of those positions there's six thousand employees in the u.s under this g3 portfolio and i don't think if they can't figure out how to digitize some of their workforce I mean even think about it like they're they should be trying to figure out how can they be digitally native right if they need people bodies in you got me there office like I just don't think they are going to make it because they're not willing to adapt yeah I I side with you on that point I agree I think the moms you know compromise but anyone in their 20s that's not married and not immunocompetent and not (laughs) immune anyone who's in their 20s and doesn't have a medical issue get back to work just deal with it All right, I am so excited for our next story because we have a special guest with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. So our 
our show sponsor, this business we absolutely love, this guy we love working with, the founder of Link. You guys all know Link. We talk about it every episode. You need to get in touch with Sabi. He is the go-to guy for all things tech and IT. So we thought, why not bring him on the show, introduce you guys to him, and get to know a little bit about him. He is the tech and IT expert. He's bringing on a story that sort of really falls within his wheelhouse, and we're really excited to have him. We've been trying to get Sabi on an episode for months. So I'm so excited because he has so much knowledge when it comes to tech, business. So we have convinced him to hop on for a story to give his insights on this next article. And just entrepreneurship. And I like hearing Savvy's takes on like the current job market, like just stuff people actually give a shit about right now. I mean, there's 500,000 <laughs> unemployed New Yorkers. There's one guy that they need to get in touch with. That's our show sponsor, Savvy. <laughs> All right, Savvy, you're up to the plate. So you, we worked on some stories together. We were really excited uh, to bring you on to talk to you about something. And we found a story that's close to your heart. And let's go. Let's hear well, yeah, I think, you know, right now, um, you know, one thing that has just, you know, been completely like just in all of our faces is the fact that whether you're a small business or a big company, you've really had to like turn to technology to survive the pandemic and just totally. keep 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 the lights on right whether it be um like kind of revolutionizing your business or just keeping up to date with what's going on like it's it's just it's unavoidable at this point and we found this great article from the washington post that said like during the like heavy moments of the pandemic these businesses that we've talked about savvy like you implement the software systems and all these tech Um, programs into businesses and they need to be up to date but these systems take maybe six months and overnight like within a week they were they had to implement everything otherwise lose their business right and not to mind you it's crazy to think about how many businesses just never had to learn anything with technology it's not even amount of time of like getting the platform integrated into their business but it's like how yeah that's what my heart especially for older um business owners I just don't understand how they were able to pivot so quickly. I'm so impressed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, you know, one thing that, well, what happened in early March or mid-March, if you will, was like we literally went through two months of digital transformation between March and May in, sorry, we went through two years of digital transformation in two months. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things wow. that were optional for businesses or maybe maybe on their like roadmap were things that became more urgent for them to survive, right? Whether it be the way they engage with their customers, the way they engage with their employees, or just, you know, overall business models that, um, you know, had to be implemented because it was necessary for them to, to keep going. Looking at all the businesses and how they've had to pivot or introduce technology into their business, right. and some have never even had it ever before do you find that there has been brands that have missed the mark on technology or do you feel like they're all seeing positive results as a result of introducing technology into their business you know i think sometimes uh projects do not always mit- like you know get it the first time so like there are some times where you know you kind of embark on this quote-unquote digital transformation and maybe um, you know, it's not perfect, but I do think like progress is really what's important. And, um, you know, digital transformation, when you look at it, it's really about people, right? It's the way you engage with your customers. It's the way you engage with your employees. And it, those are kind of your two primary um, uh, demographics, if you will, that you are trying to um, 
create a relationship with, right? But now you don't have the face-to-face element of that relationship with those with these people. So, you know, I think it's really just kind of looking at, okay, well, how do they like to engage with us? And then, you know, kind of iterating, if you will. And, I, and you know, I think that's whether you're a small business or um, a, a big company, it's that's how you go about it. You know, it's not necessarily something that you do and get right the first time. So do you have any predictions, tech predictions for the next couple of years? Invest in it. <laughs> you know, I think companies that are invested in, you know, uh, whether it be consumer data or, you know, the way they um, understand you as a customer um, is going to be a big thing, whether it be artificial intelligence or um, that sort of stuff. Like, I think that's really going to be, you know, where we go as um, as a society, because I don't think we're going to go back to the way we were, um, but I also don't think we're going to be completely digital either. There's just going to be there's going to be human factors that are um, that evolve. Britt, you um, talk about that. <clears throat> I yeah, I agree with that. I think there's like there's never going to not be a coffee shop, right. right? I think people enjoy during this time. I think before COVID, I was nervous that we were going to get too digitized, where we would not need humans and we wouldn't need this human connection. Right. But if the pandemic has showed anything, it is that humans need that interaction. They need that intimacy. But like you said, I think it'll be very exciting to see how brands understand their customer a lot more through data and be able to target them and a lot more intimately based on the new technology that has been introduced into so many different businesses that never thought they even need technology before. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think also you actually mentioned it on the last episode where you were talking about um you know, the way females and um, working from home is going to evolve. And I do think, you know, um, as we work more remotely and um, you as a business are looking at, okay, competitive advantage and, you know, the type of talent that you can attract to your business. Well, I do think like, you know, your competition is no longer solely within your geography, right? So, you know, as far as, you know, employee um, attraction and retention, if you will, um, I think that's going to evolve over time, but also, you know, create competitive advantages for some businesses. Sabi, I know that you are busier than ever because tech is like the most important industry to be in right now. Can you please give me some scoop? What are the tech guys making? Chess would ask uh, that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, right now, I will say that uh, tech is, you know, where you want to be. However, I do think it's important to highlight that, you know, w- when I do say tech, I'm not talking about just people with computer science degrees. Just like uh, that nerd kind of guy in high school who was on the computer all the time? Absolutely. That's an old school way of looking at people in tech. Um, you know, nowadays people in technology truly do have domain knowledge and they do understand finance, they understand healthcare, they understand education, they understand e-commerce, and they apply a tech way of um, doing business to that industry. So, um, you know, it is, you know, I'd probably say, you know, you have a pretty good chance of making six figures. Um you know, and the sky's the limit, really. Um, you know, but um, it's not like a, you know, Jess was I, I, hoping I think, seven. I, <laughs> it's not like I a sales think, business, though, because like, how are if you're in tech, you're working ahead. on salary, you're not making working on commission, right? 
Sorry, can you say that one more time? If you're, it's not like a commission-based sales job. So it's not like, so it's a job that you come in with probably a lot of salary um, confidence. Like you come in and you're making a base salary and it's high. You're a high salaried person. It's not like you're you're making your money on commission, right? You know, I can speak for MillenniaLink. Um, we pay all the above. We pay base salary. We pay commission. We pay bonuses. We, you know, we do pay based on performance. But I think the, the important thing to note is like you do need to be a subject matter expert in some industry, mm-hmm. and then and then apply functional technology with that, right? Right. Um, Interesting. Like. Like my little brother, he um, is a comp sci major in, at Fairfield University, and he just got, um, he's been applying to UBS and Goldman for their summer programs. Right. So even though those are banks, it's still like he's a, he has a tech position. There. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the type of people That's that they're looking for. I have a very important question. My, when I used to go on Bumble in San Francisco, every single swipe was a data <laughs> data scientist. What does that mean? Is that a tech job? My roommate's a data scientist. What? A data scientist. A data scientist. Data. Are we are we going with data or data? Well, we're Canadian, so data is Canadian. Data is Canadian. Data. Two, two Canadians, yeah. one American. You guys say it the way you want. Why is every guy in San Francisco that's like hot, young, and because cool? Because just are- like I said, that's the currency. So, um, you know, like that's what businesses want to know about you, right? Like. You know, you guys did the big TikTok story and I think like what almost broke up their ability to basically continue existing in the U.S. was data and privacy. Right. So like the more you know about your consumer, the more you can market to them. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we all go on Amazon and get recommended products or, you know, nowadays I grocery shop online as well. So. Um, you know, you get recommended products. So I just think data is really the way you understand your consumer. And so, you know, as far as San Francisco goes, it doesn't surprise me that that's what a lot of people are um, are in. The data scientist in San Francisco is like the hedge fund manager in New York. Yeah. That's like the number <laughs> of people. Can you talk a bit about cybersecurity and the importance of it right now? And then we'll let you go. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Well, I think, um, you know, for... Every CEO um, or board of directors, if you will, like, you know, you, you can't necessarily operate a digital business or an element of your business digitally um, without considering cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is no longer a cost center. It's, it's important for you to, you know, maintain goodwill and um, consumer confidence, right? So cybersecurity is really one of those parts of IT where the more we go digital, the more sec- cybersecurity that we need, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you see that everywhere from... H&M, we did a story about how a lot of their data got leaked. Even L'Oreal recently about their company requirements returning back to the office. That a lot of their information and intel got leaked. I think there's a lot What is cybersecurity? Is it just like a program you instill on your no. computers? <laughs> is that like literally all it's, it is? No, no it's, 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 it's everything from... You know, the way we teach our employees not to click on bad emails to, you know, the way we, um, you know, if you're working from home and you have a bunch of people on your Wi-Fi, well, if you're accessing confidential information, but your kids like on YouTube and another kids like, you know, going to school, you kind of want to manage that a little bit um, more than you probably had to in the past. So, um, 
there, there's a range of stuff. You know, it's the way we go into stores and we hide our PIN number. Um, but, you know, it, as we, you know, use more Apple Pay and all that sort of stuff, it becomes more important. All right, Savster. We oh, and mine and Sabby's background. So Sabby and I both grew up in Saskatoon. I always say Saskatchewan. You know, do you always do that too? Yeah. We both grew up in Saskatoon, <laughs> Saskatchewan. Sabby's brother is a, a amazing hockey player. He actually worked with my dad. Former company. hockey player, future former agent. hockey player, and he was in the WHL, right? Uh, yeah, he played for Red Deer. Played for Red Deer. Oh, wow. My dad's company worked with him, and now they're still working together. And now he is with the Las yeah, Vegas Knights. He, he, uh, yeah, so his contract's finishing uh, end of the year. But uh, your dad's been an amazing mentor to my brother. And uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. And Savvy's been a good mentor to our business. <laughs> yeah, well, thank I, you very much. Came, I came full circle. You know what? I, I am learning as well. Like, you know, this podcasting stuff is definitely new to me, but it's so exciting to be a part of. And uh, I'm a sponsor, but I'm also a fan. So oh, I, I, do, I do appreciate that. Well, ladies, you'll get to see Savvy's social asset. He's a very handsome young CEO living the big life in Toronto. So be sure to look him <laughs> up on Instagram at Sabsta, S-A-B-S-T-A 4040. And that's where you can find Mr. Savvy. Thank you for having me. All right. Our play of the day today is my next guest with David Letterman. Thanks to the Kim Kardashian episode that we both fell in love with. Speaking of archaic, David Letterman, but, you know, he, <laughs> Do you think so good. Kim even made a comment that Kylie had no idea who he was, right? Britt, that was so <laughs> funny. I forgot about that, that Kylie and Kendall were like, wait, where? And I love how Kim told him. She's like, don't, like, judge me for this, but or don't get mad. I hope this doesn't offend you, but, like, no one knows who you are anymore. <laughs> Look, I, I wish <laughs> the space would open up for new people and give this great, amazing time slot on Netflix to... Uh, to somebody new and fresh who who needs the money david letterman clearly does not but he does a great job look he's a good interviewer yeah, yeah, he dropped I love I think, him he, i love listening to his voice i think he interviews yeah. really well i enjoyed this conversation he had with kim and she opened up about the robbery and a few different things that i just didn't get he could have gone deeper he was before. a little he was sucking up to kim a little hard i thought i thought he could have gone a layer deeper with her. i love but how she was like crying she's like i don't want to ruin my makeup yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's such a kim comment I sat on a plane. Um, he was in first class. I was like in the first seat of like second class and he was like the last seat of first <laughs> class. So I was able to like stare at him the whole plane and just analyze him. The man is like 100 pounds. He's like 6'4 and like 100. He's so skinny and he's got the scraggliest, longest beard ever. But he's still cool. He's got definitely has a cool air to him. So definitely we recommend checking this out. Okay, so this season, and he drops like five episodes or four episodes a season. He's got Lizzo, Dave Chappelle, Robert Downey Jr., and Kim Kardashian West. That's season three. So it's like he brings on the most major. Season two was Kanye West. Oh, I missed that one. Ellen DeGeneres, Tiffany Haddish. I would argue she isn't as big. Lewis Hamilton. Who's that? Mm. And like Melinda Gates. So that's... That is the caliber of guests that they get they get on the so, show. So they basically clearly... the title is very fitting. It's on Netflix yeah. <laughs> and we highly recommend. Boom. Guys, have a good week. Please, please, please submit your questions because I am having so much fun reading them. And even when they're tough questions, I just love thinking about it. Like the ones that came in from Tuesday, I was like, how would I think about this? And I went through like a couple different answers in my head. It is 100% confidential. We are not telling anybody about it. And if anything, I just love to get to know you a little bit better. So please send your questions through. Love what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe. Guys, we are really trying to get our review numbers up because our download numbers are going up. So we want the reviews to reflect that. It takes literally two minutes. Hit the purple podcast icon button on your phone. It's an app. 
and just put in a review. You can say, great work, guys. Love the show. Brittany, you're hilarious. Jess, I love you. Whatever you want, just throw us a review. We'll be ever so happy. You can add us on Instagram at girlonthestreet underscore or at Brittany.lo, that's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y dot L-O, or at Cake for Breakfast Podcast. All right, that's all for today. Don't forget to tune in Tuesdays and Thursdays for Cake for Breakfast. And once again, we love our sponsor, Millennialink. And by using code CAKE, C-A-K-E, as the promo code, you will get 25% off your hiring fees now through Christmas. So just go on to their website, www.millennialink, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-L-I-N-K dot com slash contact dash us, U-S, and you will get 25% off those hiring fees. So reach out, get connected, and achieve your hiring goals now.